RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Oh, hey, 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 says Friday on a Duffified Live day. This week we got one hell of an episode, man. I am so excited to get my guest on. His name is Rick Steele. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I'm really excited to get him in, and I know that you guys are going to enjoy listening to him. Super dynamic individual, uh, 110% badass across the board. Um, Rick is one of those guys that... Uh, I've looked up to for a long time um, in, in, in all sorts of ways, from the way he is with his family to the way that he is with his business to the way that he is with his philanthropy. Um, Rick is just a really good dude. And, and um, I'm, I'm on a, a kind of a wild ride the last couple of weeks um, with some pretty major changes that I've made. You know, I'm, I'm trying to take a little bit more time to myself and with my family and friends. Um, I've talked about it in the past. I've, I've, I've made mention of it on the show before, but I've kind of realized that the world that I'm living in of this this travel and and and, uh, you know, kind of experience lifestyle of doing all the TV stuff and the appearances and everything else that I am, I, I need to be more focused in certain areas because I have to coddle the things around me that mean the most to me, which is the relationships with my family, the relationships with my personal life, the relationships with my business. These are things that I need to pay more attention to. Um, I'm not saying I'm stopping what I'm doing because there's no way in hell that that will ever happen. I am fully moving forward in my career. I'm fully moving forward with my drive, with my determination uh, to be able to share the experiences that I have and the knowledge that I have within the hospitality world and experiences um, outside of that as well. Um, and I want everybody to be able to see that. I want you guys to hear about it. That's what this show is about. It's about sharing the lives of people that interest me and sharing the things that I get to do as I kind of travel, you know, throughout the world. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm really glad that everybody's here. I hope you guys are going to enjoy this week's episode. Um, I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, you know, I've had a crazy couple of weeks between, you know, getting back on skis, um, going down to visit my daughter at school for, you know, her 19th birthday. Um, you know, the restaurant, we're starting to see a really nice momentum moving forward. You know, being barbecue without a liquor license in the suburbs of Philadelphia is not, uh, you know, on the uh, uh, the top 10 best things to do to set yourself off to financial freedom. Um, what I can do is have the controllables in place that I need which is the staff executing at a high level, um, the marketing that we're doing being put into place. I'm very happy with that. Um, you know, I like our marketing. It's aggressive. It's in your face. Um, and it, and it, it doesn't pull any punches. We want, I want everybody to see that you can have fun doing this. Um, you know, I'm really proud of the product that we do put out of, of Ardmore Q, my, the restaurant that I have right now. I've divested away from a lot of the, the, the distractions of partnerships and other things that I had um, going on prior to this year. Uh, and I'm very happy where I am right now. I've got a very nice piece kind of going through right now. Um, I'm super excited for the next six months of what's going to be happening, not 
not only with Duffified Live, but with some really cool things that going on. Um, you know, we've got some neat stuff coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, I'm heading down to West Palm uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to run down and uh, uh, super, you know, quiet, super low key. I'm going to hang out with my best friend, uh, you know, and I'm going to hang out with some friends down there and just kind of sit and chill and, 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 and be present with everybody for a little while. Uh, you know, and then I'm heading right down to Florida again. I'm back down in March at City Tavern. We're doing our same St. Patrick's Day Festival again this year. I'm going down. I'm going to bang out another 750 corn beef and cabbage cheesesteaks because that's what I love to do when I go down there. Hang out with my friends, see my buddies, see their families and their kids and and spend time with everybody in a way that I really like to do. Then, baby, I'm telling you, man, we are hardcore, 100% moving right into nightclub and bar out in Vegas. The last Monday and Tuesday uh, of, of March, walking into the first Wednesday of March, we have a huge lineup for everybody with 10 chefs that are coming out. We've got an unbelievable show that we have created and cultivated into where we are right now, which is with some unbelievable food products, some great creativity, and some innovation that's going to happen at the nightclub and bar show out there in Vegas. I want you guys to come out. You can go to ncbshow.com and you can type in the code Chef Duffy and get $50 off of your ticket for the time frame. Um, I'm coming out with a new promo in the next week that I'm going to be doing for everybody. I want you guys to get out to that show if you're in the industry. It is imperative guys, I'm telling you, use that code of Chef Duffy. And if, if for some reason that doesn't work, then message me directly and I will put you in contact with the people that can make that happen. By going out to this show, it leads you into having an edge on everybody else. You have an educational track available to you with some of the greatest minds in the hospitality world. Okay, look, I love the NRA show. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But this is a, a much different show. This show is focused on the education. This show is bringing you new technology. It's bringing you new tools that are going to give you an edge to be creative, to be excited, and to showcase to your guests that you want to do things differently to bring them into your place. Okay. By changing some little things on a day-to-day operation, you can be more profitable. You can be more uh, uh, more, more, more organized. You can be more system oriented to getting your staff to execute at the highest level so that your guests can feel what it is to exceed the expectations of what they have. And that's what we want you guys to do. So that's how I feel about that. My next guest who's coming up on this show is going to talk for a while, and I'm really excited to have him on here. And I really want you guys to sit back and pay attention to this. So everybody do me a favor, get ready to get set to get Rick Steeled. You guys ready to rock and roll? Because we got Rick Steele on the show for Duffified Live this week. Undercover motherfucking brother Rick Steele. By the way. I love it. I mean, that's it. I'll change my name to that right now. I think you Motherfucker should. Motherfucker is the middle name, and I'll, I'll go with it. Motherfucker Jones. What movie was that? It was one of the Quentin Tarantino movies, I think. Yeah, it was uh, 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 Bad Bosses. Horrible Boss. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. That's right. Jamie yeah, Foxx was Jamie Motherfucker Fox. Jones. You're right. It was from Horrible Bosses. Yep. yep. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Rick, what's going on, dude? It's good to hear your voice, man. I'm just I'm just recovering. Uh, I'm back, you know, ten ten days back from a little round the world adventure, and like still don't know what time zone it is. It could be Dubai, it could be Phoenix, it could be Perth, Australia. I don't know. Like we're on one of them, or we're on all of them. It's about how I feel right now, but I feel good, man. 
Well, do me why don't you do me a favor real quick so we can kind of get we'll get into this in a sec. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and how people can follow you? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I I don't know. I mean, how do you describe me? I guess I'm just a I'm a normal dude. You know, uh, grew up in a trailer. I found a way to get out of the trailer park and into a, di- a home with a foundation, which is good. But I still own a trailer that we drive around uh, with the family and uh, do some RVing with. Um, founded a company now almost 20 years ago uh, called Select Blinds. We have grown that to um, you know over 100 million dollars a year in sales and a few million customers. That's what I do is my day job, but you know, what I really love doing is just being a dad, being a husband and living life, man, just kind of, um, finding out what the next impossible thing is to do and, uh, you know, kind of carving out a plan to do it. The, I would say the best way to follow me would be on Instagram and it's Rick Steele official, uh, steals with an E on the end. There you go. That's the way. So you and I met in Long Beach, California. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> We met. Why were we in Long Beach? I don't remember. I don't remember okay. why why I was in Long Beach, but I so think kind of you, you brought it back. Yeah. Tips and I were out there speaking with Taffer at the rescue tour, and you and Rich, Rich came out there. I don't know if you guys were in. I don't know if you guys were looking to open a bar or you guys were looking to get. I don't know what it was that brought you out there, but we all connected. It was, it was that we were going to open a bar and it's, and, the, and this is the way I kind of, this is my, one of my rules for life, go do something you don't know anything about, but get a crash course on it in a couple of days. So I guess we thought that driving to Long Beach and spending a few days at a bar convention would have given us enough ammunition to <laughs> be able to go open up a bar. And that's what it was. Yeah. That's why we were there. That's right. I remember. And became, and became fanboys, became, just fell in love with you and Michael, man. Like it was like. It was love at first sight, and I think you would say the same thing. It was like almost, you know, probably back the the opposite direction too. Just it was like, hey, oh, do we all just become best friends? And that's what happened, like immediately. It's exactly what happened. I mean, the next thing yeah. you know, okay. I mean, like, I, I mean, yeah, that was that was the bulk of it. I mean, that's pretty much what happened. You guys had an unbelievable energy to you, and I remember tips and I talking about it, we were saying like the fucking energy with these guys is crazy. One, we're like, what's, what, are they fucking weird? Like what's up with these two? Right. Are they on drugs? Like what's going on? What kind of drugs are they on? If they are on drugs, right. How do you get that energy? And it's a, it is a drug. It's a drug of just like going full throttle, man. It's like the full throttle drug of, uh, I like to tell people there's people who meditate, which I meditate too, but I also would believe that there's, uh, something, the opposite to be said about, uh, going at 105% full with your life and everything that's also meditative too. It's, yeah. uh, you know, equivalent to, you know, Michael Jordan being in the zone and scoring 80, right? So it is, it's, it's meditative when you're going at full throttle and above full throttle and you've got so much going on in your life, so much organized chaos going on in your life that it becomes a meditation. But I mean, at that point you weren't, you weren't mentally where you are today. And I'm not saying that there was that there was there's a diminish or there there was anything that that set you back. I've watched you grow over the last eight years, ten years. To uh, I, I mean, I'm going to be like I mean, I talk about you to my friends like you're a fucking superhero because that's how I see you. <laughs> it's just and, a and name, I'm gonna, man. I'm I got gonna, blessed with a good name. Dude, if my name well, was yeah. Bob Bob Jones, if I were Bob Jones, there's no way you'd be saying that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, there's just your, you, you know, I mean, you have an infectious personality. You have an energy about you that is just unmatched. And we felt that. And I talk about tips in the we sense because that's what we both discussed, you know. And then as, a, as we have become friends over the years and, and even though we haven't, you know, there, we haven't connected or communicated as much, I think, as we both would like to over the last years, your reasoning and my reasoning are both important to both of us. But your reasoning for what you're doing from what I see from the outside is one, things that I'm unbelievably proud of. Your relationship with Gina is fucking brilliant. It's something that I aspire for. The, 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 the drive and the love and the support and the the momentum that you have given your kids on a mental ability is unlike anything that I've ever seen. And then your drive for business is almost like it's a, it's a, it's a third part of your life, but that the first two are unbelievably important to you and you will never let them fail. Yeah, it's, it's true. It, it is because, you know, business is an entity. It's like, it's a, you know, it's it, like, it's what an LLC is corp is. It's an entity. It's a person. But it's not the most important thing in the world. Like your job, your business is not the most important thing in the world. If you get the other parts of your life dialed in, and really that starts with you, you, you know, your fitness, your mental health, all that stuff. Like take, take the time for you and be selfish about it and tell people to fuck off if they want to infringe upon that time. Even your wife and your kids, honestly, if they want to infringe upon the time, no, not interested, right? you got to take care of you first. And then – you can show up for your wife and your kids in a really great way that, that that's important for you and important for your relationships. Um, everything else just kind of snowballs from there. When you get all that right, it's, it's kind of hard to get the rest of the stuff wrong. I mean, it really is. Like it, it be, my business started growing and um, a lot of the other stuff um, you know, that's happened in my life, the good things that have happened in my life have been really a domino effect of me getting – my mental health, my physical health, uh, corrected and, um, and being there for my family always. So you just like, you can become superhuman. You can make yourself a superhuman when you have those few things dialed in first. I mean, was there, was there a, a point where you, where you made that decision? I mean, look, you've always been, you've always been happy success. I don't use the word success in so many ways because success floats amongst so many people in different ways. Success for one guy is a great fucking pair of shoes. Another is the adoration of his family. You know, it's like, was there, was there, was there a, a switch? Was there a light bulb? Was there something that clicked inside of you that you were like, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I need to fix or, 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 or cultivate. Yeah, I mean, I think probably it would be five or six years ago I started on this uh, this path, this some you know organizing my personal development, I guess you would call it. And I'd always thought that way, but it was a, it was a, it was a bit chaotic in what I was doing, so that there wasn't a good plan for it all. And you know, I, I delved into a few things um, five or six years ago, um, a thing called uh, Warrior Week, which is out of Laguna Beach, um, that teaches you know kind of a, um, a set of principles and a code. Um, but even before that, you know, it was really, uh, with my fitness, you know, taking on some, for me at the time, some extreme things like tough mutter and stuff and seeing me go from being, you know, really bad at them to actually being pretty good at them and competing at them at a level. And just, I guess you would say, realizing that, that, that type of growth is possible for all areas of your life. Like if you could do this in fitness, if you could see yourself go from, you know, fat to fit or, you know, uh, not healthy to, uh, you know, dominating, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, that growth, 
why is it that that's not possible in the other areas of your life too? So, you know, um, it all starts with really kind of identifying something that's impossible, something you can't do today that, you know, if you attempted it today, you would fail. It requires you to set up a date, work towards it, and then go crush it, you know, 90 days later, 180 days later, whatever it may be. And I just started doing that with other areas of my life. So with like my, um, with my kids and with my wife, I would, you know, I went into these, these challenges of doing, you know, journals, writing, writing a journal for my wife is a good example, a 90 day journal where like for every day I hand wrote her a love, like a love letter every day for 90 days and presented that to her at the end of 90 days as a part of one of my challenges. And not, not an egotistical thing, more of like, listen, let me just put on paper how I feel about a relationship today and produce this as like this bound book at the end of 90 days, writing kids books and getting them illustrated and published and all that stuff for each of my kids. Um, those were all things that I had no idea where to start, but they seemed so impossible that I I made them a challenge for myself and I made it a, uh, I made it a goal to do it. So knowing that like, you know, the big idea was like in business, when you can scale your business, that instantly results in profit. Your business is profitable. Once you've found a good product that you can sell, that um, is adored, that you have scaled where you can pull yourself out of the business and let really capable people run it. That always equates to profit in other aspects of life. um, Doing that and smashing as much important shit in your day as you possibly can in relation to your family and your fitness and that kind of stuff um, well, you can get that to scalability, that scaling equals legacy, right? So when you, you've done these things that, um, aren't business, but are, you, you know, aspects of growth in your life, um, it, um, it allows you to create bigger legacy. And that's what I was out for. It's what I'm still out for right now. I want to create bigger legacy and, um, continue growing as a man, you know, as a husband, as a father and all the other stuff just kind of uh, falls in line. I mean, were you, when you were doing the journaling and you were doing all of that, was there, you know, I, I, I find myself, I write lists of things, things that I want to get done and stuff like that. And then, you know, a lot of times you get into those lists and then you get distracted. You start, you know, yeah. kind of veering off of that course. Were you doing like when you wrote the book? I mean, I remember, you know, you tell you talking about writing the book that you wrote and, and I think you were going from, from, from Phoenix to Vegas or LA to Vegas or something like that. Wasn't yeah. there something that? Well, I, yeah, I, I voice transcribed the whole book basically because I'm not a guy that will sit down and write. I did that for the right. kids' books, but writing a, you know, writing like a, a business book, I said, okay, listen, the only way this is ever going to happen is if I carve out, you know, ten minutes a day. Um, I've already architected what the chapters are, so I knew what the chapters were going to be. But getting down and writing, you know, a couple thousand words for each chapter, um, I just wasn't going to do. But what I'm good at is just talking, talking it through. Right. So the idea was get it out there and doing that through voice transcription. And then when you've done that, you can get that voice transcription off into some capable hands, editing, post, right. you know, the double, double editors, which is what I hired was a couple editors to look at it. And then they can, you know, get it on paper, you know, make sure it gets laid out correctly in book format, all that kind of stuff. That's what they do. But the words I wanted to come from me. And the only way I was ever going to do that was through voice transcribing. And when you were starting to put all of these goals together, I mean, was it something, was it a big list? Was it a vision board? I mean, were you, were you writing a whole bunch of stuff down and just crossing things off? Or were you saying, you know what, today I'm going to do this, or this is an idea that I have and I want to start moving forward from this. 
Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a bigger vision board I've got, you know, kind of pinned out the, the, you know, I guess you would say the material things I want in my life, but then also the, the way I want to feel in my life too, like the, the, the satisfaction I want in my life. Um, is on a vision board, but some of these items like books and that kind of stuff really were inspirations from, you know, some friends of mine that had done it. And, uh, you know, I kind of learned the process through them and, you know, just, I guess you would say the benefits of like having a business book was just being a published author is, um, you know, there's some, there's some credentialing to that, that, um, was important to me in my life at the time. It still is, but it's probably even more important at the time, uh, to my personal brand. So I wanted to get that. A lot of it too was, you know, I had so many people in my life come up to me and ask me, you know, I want to start a business. Where do I start? And I'm like, you know, outside of telling them, go to Google. <laughs> there's yeah, some right. great resources online. I'd, exactly. have, I'd have like, you know, friends and family members say, hey, Rick, how do you do a logo? And I'm like, oh, we're ready to pull my hair out. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just going to put this. I'm going to see if I could build like a mentor in a box, you know, kind of book to run people through this really simplistic process. And at the end of 30 days, you do some work for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, you have a business. It's going to be a shitty business. It's, it's probably not making money. It may not even make sense to you, but what you have are the constructs and the foundation for, you, know, you have a business now. Now you get to go, go with it, right? But it, 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 will, it will allow you to get into some sort of, you know, that 30 days it allows you to get into a habit of saying, um, I, I want to be an entrepreneur. This is what it takes. I've got to go do some work every day for 30 days. That's what the book does. It gets you um, into the process of having to do work for 30 days so you can then say, hey, I like that. I like the idea of doing that um, for myself. Or, you know, at the end of 30 days, you're like, that sucked. I never want to do that. I'm happy, you know, working for somebody for the rest of my life, which is perfectly fine. Um, it, it helps you get clear about, like, is this for me or not? And that's, that was really the goal of the book. Well, I think that one of the things that I've, I've always kind of enjoyed, you know, listening to you speak, because I, I, you know, I don't know if you know, I watch all your videos, dude. Like even though we're friends well, and, and, like I, and I know you, stalkers on the background that never comment, never like. You just I, have, I love it, dude. I love it. I, I have. Love I just because because I know you. So for me, you know, I, I I enjoy watching them because I can feel your passion. I know what you're talking about, but it seems you're not you're doing it on a personal level, but you're offering the information on in a non-judgmental like fuck you. Just go do it. Like. You know, it's, right. it's that mind control theory. Like, you know, do, you know, I want to stop eating sugar. Okay. We'll stop fucking eating sugar. You know, there's a, there's a oh, part right, of right. that that is, it's really just about doing it. You know, we can all talk about it. I talked yeah. a couple of weeks ago about doing fucking yoga. Well, guess what? My schedule hasn't allowed. I haven't done the yoga yet. That's my <laughs> fault because I haven't That's made right. it a priority in what it is that I want to do. So, you know, you've got to get to that point. But one of the things is, is that your videos, when you do them and they're, you know, a lot of times in, for everybody to understand, you know, Rick will just get in his car. I do a fuck ton of thinking in my car. My car I, my long drives, everybody says you fly all the time. How do you drive so much? Because I get work done when I drive. I brain think when I drive. I'm, I'm distracted if I'm in my house. But when I'm in my car, I can think, I can communicate, I can do my stuff. So I've always enjoyed those videos of when you're talking about whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be dating Gina, whether it be things with your kids and stuff like They're very – those and then the action that follows them is something that I've watched happen over the last bunch of years, which is super fucking cool. I mean, where did where did the whole concept of, of date your wife come from? Oh, that came from Warrior. So a guy uh, by the name of Garrett White, you know, he kind of I believe he coined this term, but you know, a lot of it was was a very simplistic view on 
you know, when you are, when you're dating, like, let's say, you know, you're not married and you're dating, you got a fiance, whatever it is, like you, you with velocity date your girlfriend, you need to take them out on dates, you guys make love, you're kissing, you're doing shit in public that you seems like never do as a married couple. So why in right. the world does that stop when you become married? Like why it should get stronger. It should be, you know, there should be more of it, right? You should date more when you're married because that, you know, you've now therefore found the one you want to spend time with. So right. how is it that, you know, we get, we get thrust into this thing where you, you know, everything becomes complacent. You're spending less time going on less dates. So, you know, it's just, this like, I guess, very simple idea of like carving out a day every week where you date your wife. And it's, it's, it's not, again, it's like your own personal time. You know, for me, it's every morning, take that time. It's sacred. Nobody gets to interfere with it, but there's also that day every week where I will take Gina on a date. We will go on a date and we try to mix it up, do interesting stuff. We've done everything from shooting AR 15s on Valentine's day at like targets <laughs> to throwing axes to, you know, I love going to see plays and musicals and that kind of stuff too. So we, we try to mix it up and do different stuff. And, um, but they're dates, they're, they're sacred time that gets, uh, zero negotiating around. Like they have to happen. Like our daughter was in the hospital for a week with Kawasaki disease. We found a way to go on a date that week because we're like, we're going to lose our sanity if uh, we don't go spend some right. time with each other. And we did. Right. So it's, uh, it's like you said earlier, you know, you haven't done yoga because at least at this time in your life, it hasn't become important enough, right? You're crushing the stuff in your life. That's important to you. Right. So what's important to you right now, you're crushing it. You're killing everybody. You're crushing it. When yoga becomes important to you, when it's something you absolutely are like, I have to do this, you'll do it, right? So it's, uh, right. it's like anything in life, right? When it becomes important, it will, you know, the, 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 the master appears and, you know, you'll do it. So, I mean, and, and a lot of this is coming out of that warrior mentality from what you were doing. What, where did, how did you fall into that place? Because, I mean, things just, you know, things come in uh, into our lives. I mean, were you laying in bed one morning yeah, yeah. and you're like, fuck it, I want to go and do a tough mutter? I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, the warrior thing was, you know, I guess four or five years ago, it was, you know, as good as I seem to have it uh, in everybody else's view, there was still a lot of pain, a lot of hurting. You, you know, it's like it, it's definitely not easy running a business with a lot of employees and then also, you know, being married and having kids. I mean, that, those are just like the trifecta of things can get fucked up really quick, right? Because you, you're, you're shouldering a lot of responsibility. So, you know what, I guess I was just targeted with a video. It was this video online that um, talked about this experience in Laguna beach where basically you go out and like Navy seal guys beat the shit out of you for um, three or four days and help you get clear. And it's not just a physical experience, there's a mental and emotional experience too that lets you helps you get really clear about how to kind of siphon and dial it all in and um, you, you know um, you know give you some tools that allow you to not cope with with the with those kind of um, items in your life but really um, amplify those things in your life that the fact that you are a business owner and a husband and a father um, and you care about your fitness you know there's these um, it's just, it's a, it's a unique breed of person in the world. And, you know, we've chosen it. We're hard charging for a reason. We love it. We love taking on all the responsibility. We love the chaos that our, that our lives are, but sometimes that can, uh, that can affect the people around us if it doesn't have a little bit of organization. So, you know, before then I wasn't dating my wife, my wife was delivering 
you know, I was, I was still the entrepreneur sitting at my desk, you know, burning both ends of the, you know, of the day. And she would some days deliver food to me at my desk for dinner. And that would be the, the time we saw each other every day. So I just, you know, saw this video and I was like, listen, there has to be a better way than this. Like, this is the one I signed up for. So, you know, the idea of kind of date your life really re- reappeared and, and got back into my life just now, I guess, five years ago. I mean, and, and is, is there a point where, where Gina's looking at you and she's like, oh, my God, this guy's fucking crazy. Like, because you're, yeah. ta- you well, ta- you, you're taking on a lot, but right. right. Yeah, she, lo- she loves it. No, she loves it. And here's what I love about Gina, my wife. She is my biggest cheerleader on the planet. So she gets it. She, um, as much as I've signed up for that lifestyle, she has too. And she knew it from day one. She knew exactly the kind of crazy I am, right? And it's like, I think Bill Burr says it best. It's like, guys like me have this like shelf of anger, like that builds up inside their body because they take so much on and they got to have a way to release it every now and then too. And I think, you know, warrior gave me like this way to understand that I I can go out and find ways to release this. For me, it's like fitness and stuff. I, that's why I take on some crazy fitness shit because it lets me really go release, you know, some of this rage that's inside of me, um, that builds up I uh, so I don't bring it home and it's not like this teapot that boils over, you know, my, to my family. Not saying that it doesn't happen because it happened. Shit, it just happened a couple of days ago. I, me and my wife and I had a fight for probably two years and man, it got nasty two days ago. But after about a half an hour, we look at each other and we kind of laugh. And we're like, God, that we haven't done that forever. And, you know, we know where each other's right. hearts are. And, you know, so, you know, it's just a, you know, for me, it's like, if you're hard charging at all, no matter, you don't have to be married with kids or anything. It's if you're hard charging at all, this stuff builds up. You better find a place to, um, and, and, and an avenue to release it. Um, because if not, it gets uh, thrust upon <laughs> a lot of times the people that you don't want to see it. So, right. You know, it's kind of funny is that, you know, you said you guys haven't had an argument like that in two years. And, and after the, 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 the culmination of everything that you've done for the last two years with all the challenges and all the personal records and all the additional stuff that you've accomplished between, you know, I mean, not, not just some of the warriors and not, and, and not just the, you know, this, the, the seven day and not just Daytona, but it's kind of funny that you said that you guys just got in a huge fight a couple of days ago after you're coming, coming down from this massive high, you know, this massive high, this right. massive rush of adrenaline. I mean, you got home yeah. and what, four days later, you're in Orlando. Or in Daytona? I mean, it's like, well, you, I got there home. was we no downtime. In, we no, there was no downtime. We were in Miami for the last marathon. And then, like, I basically, you know, on Valentine's Day, Gina pretty much nursed me back to health. She was like Florence Nightingale. Like, I almost died uh, of, you, you know, I felt like I almost died of dehydration. Um, yeah, so much, so, so much to the point where I stopped sweating and I was shaking in bed. And, like, over the course of, like, 12 hours, you know, she, she's, you know, spoon-fed me Gatorade to get me back to health. But then two days later, yeah, we were in Daytona watching our car, you know, compete in the, uh, in the Daytona 500. So it was a, a bit of a, um, you know, kind of chaotic long, you know, four or five days after the finish in the marathons. And then, um, you know, in Daytona itself, just with the cars and the engines or, you know, it's chaos anyway, you can't think for a couple of days. Right. So what, what brought you to the seven day part? What was that? I mean, was that, I mean, cause I've watched you work. You know, I've watched you train. I've listened to your your stuff, and I and I and I, I I took it in as a I took it in as a very mental moment for me. 
You know, I took it in as this guy is putting his mind to something and then pushing his body as far as his mind will let as far as, you know, pushing his body as far as his mind will push him. You know, so to watch all of that unfold over the last couple of years was something that was really cool to me. I mean, how, where where was your decision that you're like, fuck this, I'm doing seven days. I'm doing the World Marathon yeah. Challenge. Yeah, so I had a friend that did it, and, like, she got she got it out of her mouth, like, what it was. We were just talking about it, and, like, she got, like, hey, I did seven marathons on seven continents. Like, Lillian got to, like, halfway through it, and I'm like, I'm in. Because, you know, I'm that way with, like, my fitness. I'll, I'll hear of these extreme challenges. And, um, they, they sound sometimes so undoable, so impossible that I know that they're possible cause you know, I know people that have done them, but you know, she told me 150 people sure. on the planet have done this and I decided like, I'm, I'm going to do it. And a lot of it stemmed from, you know, four or five years ago, I just hated running. I've grown to love running now. And, you know, the idea of running seven marathons in seven days on seven different continents and just the logistics around traveling, getting to each place and making that a reality sounded so hard, um, that I wanted a piece of it. And like, and it was a, uh, yeah, you know, I try to choose a couple of these challenges every year, you know, for, you know, put them on the calendar. It always has to be something that is, uh, is undoable today. Meaning that I've got to, you know, I've got to set it, uh, put it on the calendar and then train my ass off to achieve it. Knowing that if it's so easy, I could accomplish it today. It's not really a challenge. So I've got to like, you know, identify it. And then it's something I can't do today, but something I believe that over the course of you know, 90, 180 days, whatever it is, I can train for, I can accomplish it if I really level up my fitness over the course of uh, that time period. So the seven marathons, uh, the World Marathon Challenge is what it's called, uh, was that, that next thing for me. And I learned about it last year, talked to my coach, the way it, uh, you know, the way it lined up on my schedule for some of the events I already have planned later this year with Ironman it worked out because it was in the beginning of the season. So it just, um, you know, the timing was perfect for it. And we went and did it. And I can tell you one thing for sure. I will never do that again. That is a hundred percent sure. <laughs> like it was the coolest adventure ever, but the most chaotic almost died in Antarctica. Like we have a documentary coming out about this. It's going to blow your mind, but it's definitely a one and done not doing it again. Like it was that cool, that intense. And, um, like, I, I would believe I would even fail the next time I did it. I don't even know how he pulled it off this time. Has, has anybody done it twice? <clears throat> There's a couple people that have done it twice. Yeah, one of the girls that was on the, um, on the plane this time, she was the fastest overall. Actually, she won the entire thing this year, set the fastest time wow. ever for the women um, in, the, uh, in the event. She, um, she was on it for the second time. She did it a couple years ago. And, you know, she's a national runner for a country of Denmark, professional runner. I mean, she's complete just the most mentally tough person I know. Uh, I'll give you an example. When we were in Antarctica and the weather turned on us, like we, we literally were um, on the verge of having people die out there. And this is no joke. Uh, we had four, I think three or four DNFs, people that did not finish. So mind you, these are people that paid a lot of money to get on a plane and do seven marathons on seven continents. Um, to have a DNF means your world marathon challenge is over after the first marathon. So they DNF'd. But, right. you know, her mindset on that, because she runs in extreme conditions. I mean, she's run marathons at the base of Everest. She said, the minute I saw people suffering out there was the moment I knew I was going to win it. <laughs> it's just like that. That's all she needed. Uh, you know, so I love yeah. putting myself. The other thing I do is I try to put myself around people like that, that think that way. Um, other people would say sadistic, but she's got this trigger 
um, in her that says, when I see people suffering, I know I can use that as fuel and I can almost like pull from that suffering and make myself stronger. And it's, it's insane to see what she did. I mean, she put up, she put down a sub four hour marathon in Antarctica when we had 50 mile an hour winds in our face half, you know, for half of the marathon. So it was, uh, I mean, you could, there were, there were people crawling. There were people literally crawling in that wind because the wind, you know, was knocking them over standing up. So, you know, the fact that she did a sub four when everybody's, I think the average time for that marathon was like six and a half hours. (laughs) It was just completely insane. Yeah. And that was your, and that was your toughest one. That was the toughest one from a condition standpoint. Yeah. And was, and that was day one. Yeah, it ended up being day two. We did Cape Town first. We had to take a little bit of a chance because we had trouble oh, okay. getting into Antarctica. The weather was bad. Sorry. We had to scrap the plane that we're taking. We had to bribe a couple Russians to fly us in on their cargo plane. I mean, this this is the kind of shit that like movies are made out of because <laughs> until you see this in a documentary, it doesn't even make sense. But the jet that was taking right. us in, the private jet that was taking us in, the whole time the, pri- the pilot was like, nope, not doing that. And after like two days, like um, our organizer had to find – you know, like basically this rogue group of jet. And one thing I learned also during this is that there's a reason, like, you just don't fuck with the Russians. These are the most badass people on the planet. Like, they laughed at flying this jet into, like, 50-mile-an-hour winds into Antarctica. It was, like, comical for them. And when we flew in, you know, what 50-mile-an-hour <laughs> winds feel like on a jet, you know, the plane would be, like, all over oh the place. God. This thing is carved through it like hot butter. We didn't even feel any turbulence. And then we landed, and we're like, that was it? And we get off the plane, almost get knocked over by the wind. <laughs> and we're just, and these Russians are laughing in Russian, and it's just like, they're just, they're used to them. This is what they do. They, they fly in these cold, windy environments. Like, that's what, that's what Russia is. <laughs> the whole the whole country is that, you know? So for them to have you know, flown into this was like, it's just a normal day at the office. So this, um, how far into this did you guys have to hook up with the Russians? Uh, after two days of us being delayed for two days, the organizer had to basically find a different plane and the different plane was just, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it's called like the Elysium. Here's here it is. It's the plane that's got seats on the left, seats on the right. There's no windows. You are, you know, you strap yourself into the seat. You're sitting completely upright and um, down the middle has this whole wiring cargo system. So then they can send it down the chute, open the back of the plane up and parachute off and goods dunk. into like some third world country that needs supplies or a tank or right. whatever that they're carrying on the plane at the time you know, the belly of the plane just opens up from the back um, and allows for, you know, stuff to come out of it. That was the, you know, that was the, the jet plane cargo death trap, whatever you want to call it, that we flew into uh, and out of, um, out of Antarctica on. And we, you know, For we the ran last the marathon on races. a Russian Air Force base. So that's, that's where we were. It was on an Air Force base in Russia. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's Fuck. everybody, you know, Antarctica is not a, is it owned by anybody? It's like, you know, it's got 30 different countries have little, you know, kind of bases down there Pieces. with four people. And all right. they do is cook and eat. You would love, dude, you would love it because like, it's seriously like, I bet you could pull Michelin star chefs out of this fucking place because we went to the little dining hall and it was like, you know, you're going from like these frigid, crazy conditions into like, whoa, I just walked into, you know, um, Taliban in France. Like what's happening right now? You know, really yeah. good food, but, but that's, that's all they're doing. They're down there to do research and learn how to cook better that, all day long. That's all they do. Right. So the food was great. 
So, I mean, when you're doing your training for this, I mean, how much, how much are they working with you? First off, your coach, was he somebody who yeah. had done this before? Did you have a group? So, so he knew the, you know, kind of the trials and tribulations that were going to come from this with the yeah, exception I mean, of the fact is, that you had a, go ahead. You're right. Yeah. I mean, so my, my coach is a badass. His name is Ryan Bolton. He trains Olympians and then he trains Ironman champions. He also trains a Boston marathon winners. And then he also trains me. I'm a, I'm his worst athlete. Like, I don't know why this guy even took me on. So, but he's, uh, <laughs> you know, the way he trained me for this, it's hard to train for this because this is kind of a gimmicky kind of event. This isn't something that normally happens in real, you know, training for marathons or Ironmans or anything. So, you know, running seven marathons in seven days is not like a real thing that has a lot of research behind it. But the way we trained was somewhat similar to, like the way they train for Tour de France, which is these Tour de France riders get out, they go hard for several hours, and then they've got to get off their feet, recover, eat, hydrate. You know, so it's all about recovery. It's all about the nutrition. It's about the hydration. It's about getting off your feet and basically getting yourself ready for the next day. You know, Tour de France, they go back out the next day and they're just pushing watts and riding a bike as hard as they can, you know, for several hours again. So the, the training that he had me doing was similar to that, which was, you know, we never ran 183 miles in a week, but we did scale up to about 110 miles in one week. Um, the last couple of weeks before, um, we, we started tapering down and it was a lot of just running every day, run five miles every day for seven straight days, do a little bit of swimming, take a little bit of uh, off the next week, a week later, do, you know, 10 miles a day and scaling up to where you're seeing 15 to 20 miles a day. Um, and you know what your body feels like after running, you know, 15, 20 miles a day, four or five days in a row, you get to feel where the aches and pains are chafing. You know, you, you try to replicate as much of what you're going to experience in the event, um, in training. So you, you're not surprised by a blister or some sort of weird chafing that shows up on game day. Right. I mean, so, and on the, on the mental level, what, what is, how is he working with you on the mental level? I mean, you know, Brian, Brian, you think about I, it. I, first of all, let me, just you know, say let me just say something real quick. First, I, I'm talking to you now and I don't believe I did this anyway. It actually sounds like I read this in a magazine and actually, I don't believe I actually did this. It's still, um, <laughs> I had to go do it today. I don't believe I could do it. <laughs> sorry. So right. sorry to cut you off, but now that I'm talking through it, I'm just like, did, did I really go do that? Like, and it still doesn't feel real yeah. that I did it. So anyways, it may not have been. <laughs> so it was all just, it was just fake. You just, you just <laughs> the videos through came the video. Out of, like, stock, footage. Yeah, stock footage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guy wearing like a training. pair of an old school running like a Nike. Yeah. I mean, what, what is he doing on the mental level for you guys? Because obviously, you know, to run is a very mental game in the first place and a very physical game, especially to do a marathon. You know, it's, it's not a lot of people do it. A lot more people are doing it these days, but, but not to the level that you've taken it. And on top of that, you've now got to add in elements. You've got to in, in, you've got to add in a travel schedule. You've got to add in lack of sleep, lack of nutrition. I mean, you know, what, where, where is he working on the mental level with you? Or did you have somebody else that's assisting you in that mental world to say, okay, here's what you can expect. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. So my coach is more of a go do this work and don't be a pussy. And like, do, this is out here for a reason. I'm, I'm programming this for a reason. He's very, very calculated. 
you know, we have a, a app we use called Training Peaks, and it's this this lets them see all of my fitness markers, the the form, the fatigue, everything. Um, you know, when I go out and do a run at a certain heart rate at at a certain speed that calculates in and basically tells him, you know, how hard that run was calculates the toll of my body. And then, you know, over time gets to see, you get to see where you're at, how fatigued or how not fatigued that you are over time, you know, all these metrics add up. So, you know, for his mental, you know, kind of preparation for me was more stay to the program. Um, don't, don't do anything um, that's going to get you off of your plan. And the, and the plan is really simple. It's like, you know, you're going to go run, at this pace on these days and you have to make sure you're doing these things when you're done. Don't, as soon as you're done off your feet, get, you know, your, your get your whey protein shake in with collagen. Um, you know, try to replace as many calories as you possibly can. Sometimes that's not going to be easy, but you know, get, get rehydrated and, you know, just get back into it. The, the mental game, I, I would say I, I pull from, you know, I did some stuff with Navy SEALs three or four years ago. I did this event called Kokoro, which is a 53 hour Navy SEAL crucible where they, um, they basically, and it, these are real Navy SEALs that go into rooms and, you know, that rack up big body counts and come out and, you know, have cigars and beer when they're done. They, uh, they put you through what's half, basically half of Hell Week. So they basically say, we're going to take Hell Week. We know you're a citizen. You can't do all of Hell Week, but we're going to let you do half of it. You're going to do half of what uh, these kids going through, um, buds uh, do. And so you get no sleep, and they basically beat your brains in for 53 straight hours. And you get to figure out really quick how much uh, of the game of fitness is mental because pretty much it's all mental. Like when you've done your thousandth push up in a row and they tell you do 10 more and you, 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 you have nothing left. And then, you know, you tell them I have nothing left. And then you magically get up and do 10 more push ups. You know, it was mental because if it were mental, you wouldn't have been able to do one more push up, right? So it's all mental and going through like crucibles like that help you realize that it's a, um, it, it's a game of, you know, I say mind over matter, but it truly is. It's a game. You know, your mind's going to tell you, you can't do something. And almost always, unless it truly is like, you know, you're going to get yourself in trouble. This is dangerous. You know, it's, it's that type of message your, your brain's giving you almost always your mind's lying. Almost always. Like when it, when you, when it tells you, you can't do one more pull up, guarantee you got one more pull up in you. So just based on that in and of itself, is proof that your mind lies. Your mind just lies right there, right? So, you know, they this crucible that's run by um, Commander Mark Devine in um, in Encinitas, California. You know, they have you doing surf torture. They they waterboard you. They, I mean, I say that in a respectful way. It's 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 legitimate waterboarding where they teach you how to kind of breathe through your upper lip and um, control your breathing as somebody's trying to pour water right down your mouth. So, <laughs> all the way to you know, different, you know, crucibles where you're climbing up mountains and you got a 60 pound pack on your back carrying a, you know, 20 pound, you know, simulated weapon. Um, you do that for 10 straight hours. So it's a, um, that was a crucible that really helped me out with the mental game because when you do this for two straight days and you get to see the sunrise three times without going to bed, you get to become, you know, very clear that most of all of the things that you don't believe you're capable of are mental. And, you know, that's right. not saying that there aren't things that, that can't be done because of, you know, people that have, um, you know, capabilities that are less than what their abilities truly are. But it's um, it was it was proof that the minds uh, is just a dirty liar, which, you know, I mean, I, I, we've all heard. 
I mean, maybe not everybody. I mean, that's something that I've looked into. I've done research on about the fact that your mind, you know, your your mind is a liar. And And I love how you put that because, you know, I always talk about that. I like to say that mind control. I listen to there's a couple cool things that I listen to that talk about mind control. And it's really just about, you know, changing your mind from going from that no to that yes. You know, and just pushing through that, despite how physical, you know, how hard it is. I mean, look, I, look, I'm I'm not running a marathon. I started skiing again three weeks ago after not being on skis for for 26 years. You know, I'm 48 years old, Rick. I feel better than I ever have in my life, despite despite the fucking two bruised ribs that I have right now from falling the other day. But oh, to me, and it's and I, legit cardio, man. That's legit cardio, I, man. Dude, I, 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 legit cardio. I'm not gonna lie to you. My I, I went by myself this weekend, um, or this past weekend. My my daughter, uh, being 16, she had a little bit of a 16 year old, you know, girl breakdown, boyfriend shit, stuff like that. And I was like, I'm just leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm going. I'm doing this by myself. And I, I I sat at the bottom of a black diamond after not skiing for 26 years and starting three weeks ago. And I thought to myself, Rick would be fucking proud. Like it was, there, <laughs> you it, were a, seriously, you know, I mean, after everything that I've watched you and it really, it comes down to that. And, and even last night when I was taking that last run, cause I wanted to go back to the lodge, my feet were starting to bother me, you know, and I was like, fuck that. I'm here now I'm at the top of a mountain. I, I either stop halfway or I go to the bottom of the mountain. You know, I mean, there was that moment and it is, it's that, and it was a, it was a pinnacle moment for me in where I am because I've been overweight. I've been living the life of a chef for the last bunch of years. And I don't, you know, and I kept seeing the stuff that you've been doing and I'm like, he's pushed through it. He's pushed through this. He's made it through that. And even the crucible stuff that I've, I've listened to you talk about quietly as a stalker in the background. Um, you know, when you did break into that stuff and it's something that's very inspiring, which is why I wanted to have you on. Plus I knew it was a great opportunity just to talk to you. So, um, dude. but I mean, where, amazing, dude, I, I love chatting with you. Like, honestly, you're the easiest guy. It's like, you know, you and I want to get to talk a couple times a year now, it seems like, but it's so yeah. easy to just pick back up and find out like, what's going on in your life. And let me just make one statement, dude. I, I don't have to be around like heavy cream every day. <laughs> you know, so it's a lot easier for me to just kind of eat the stuff I want to so, eat and, and yeah, do it in, yeah, in relation right. to my fitness. <laughs> but yeah. you know, you got this lifestyle exactly. where you're thrust amongst this really, some these amazing tasty foods. Like I don't know how you do it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I spent a whole weekend of, 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 of cardio and working out and, and doing really cool shit. And then I stopped and, you know, I got two trays of pizza from, you know, two of the most iconic pizza places in the country, you know, on the way home. And I, as I was doing the video in the back of my car, my body is like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Do you have any idea how good I felt? And now, and then I put that into my body and I went into a a carbohydrate coma, you know, late last night that just, and again, it's that there's these little triggers and I'm like, you know, come on, Brian, you know, better than that. You know how you're going to feel after you do that. And so, and it's funny because in, in the back of my mind, there is that, that Rick Steele kind of, you know, uh, select blind mongoose uh, thought process that goes through my brain 
for some stuff, you know, that, so, so, you know, so, you know, that you're an inspiration to a lot of people for what's going on. But for me, it's, it's awesome to watch because I know you and it's neat to see how you've taken a, a, a great life. I mean, you, you have a good life. You have an amazing support system that lives within your household. You, you the, the drive that you've given your kids. Are you fucking kidding me with your son, dude, and skateboarding right now? He's crazy. Watching that kid I, I move. This kid, I'm going to tell you, he doesn't get it from me because I, I do some crazy stuff and I like to believe I maybe rub off on him in a different way, but he doesn't get to see the, in, in the heat of the moment element stuff that is, uh, you know, jumping out of a plane, that kind of stuff. He, just the way he attacks like falling and like wanting to go for big air on a skateboard, but then also doing that in motocross. And like, he's just like at seven years old, I'm trying to think when I, <laughs> I still actually haven't developed that type of no fear thing, but I do believe it comes from, you know, he got on a skateboard early and he learned how to fall early. So the idea of falling is not even a big deal to him at all. Like he isn't yeah. scared of that at all. He knows how to break his falls. So I think, um, I don't know. I don't know what we can learn from it. Like, I think, you know, maybe some of it's genetic, but I don't, I don't know. I, I can look, I can show you my gene tree and you'd absolutely not see it's genetic at all. A thousand percent between me and my right. wife. Um, there's no point to that. You can go back a few generations and say, oh yeah, you know, Gina's, um, you know, great grandfather was a uh, motocross, <laughs> you know, no, nobody like right. that. So exactly. I don't know. He just, uh, he, lo- he loves it, man. And I-, I love watching him do it, too. That's one of my favorite things to do is, 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 is video him skateboarding because he just – and you know what he loves? He loves being on camera, too. He loves performing for mom and dad when we're there. He just loves us sitting in on practice so, and watching him do his thing. Camera or not, just loves us being there. So it's like – you know, that, that's an easy yeah. game right there. It's like when he loves it, we love it. It's like, you know, it's just the best, best of both worlds. And we're there at this place four days a week. I mean, it's, it's like basically our other home. That's awesome, dude. Now, now, when it comes down to your your diet and kind of when, when you're doing this marathon, I mean, when you're doing these, you know, seven days, what 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 are you where are you getting your calories from? Where are you getting your protein from? I mean, is it protein shakes? Yeah. Is, is that what you're really pulling in? Is there anything that's kind of sustainable? You know, that you're feeling. You know, like you, you eat pasta before a marathon. It's like the rule. You know, what are you doing in that yeah. case? You, you literally, we knew this going into, you're going to be on seven different planets, basically. And food's different in every place. So you had to bring a lot of your food with you. And like, what are the, the quick absorbing, you know, kind of uh, somewhat nutrient rich, but then also really just replacing a bunch of the carbs is kind of the game too. Um, that you can bring with you in case, you know, Armageddon comes and you only can live off your own food. So I brought a bunch of packets of tuna and cup of noodles like th- that was and i didn't eat it all because the plane served me some food the, the the food on the plane was really good but it was loaded with a bunch of preservatives and you know i'm a marathoner that like there better be a bathroom every mile or i'm going to fucking jail because like i am going to have to go shit <laughs> my pants or sit on the side of the road like this is like the the marathoner's dilemma thankfully we we're on courses that had bathrooms right so the first two marathons i like you know spent probably 10 minutes over the course of four times each marathon in the bathroom um, of just really just nasty. Right. And it was plain food. And I realized that after the first couple, I was like, I'm gonna stop eating the plain food. So I went to my nutrition I brought with me, which was a lot of bars, a lot of uh, cup of noodles, a lot of, um, you know, cans of tuna. Um, And then one thing I did do is at the end of each race, I had to benefit since I finished early. um, I would, you know, get to the airport, 
and get to, you know, find like maybe the cleanest, best place you could find at the airport. Um, thankfully, we were big enough airports that had some good, you know, really good grub. So you would get to, um, you know, just go savage on, you know, a couple thousand calories of food. It, it really became a, a bit of just getting this calories in. This, I mean, like my, my diet back from Antarctica was four Snickers bars. I was like, this is the only thing I can eat right now. There's no food on this plane. Yeah. So the, it's either I have no calories or I have four Snickers bars. And that's what I ate, I ate four Snickers bars. And my coach, you know, told me that's okay to do. But that's the only thing you can eat. You eat anything because getting calories sure. replaced is much more important than uh, what you're eating. You know, um, if, you, if, you, if you, you can't be choosy, you know, get calories over not eating at all. So that's what we did. Um, so a little bit chaotic, but I, it's definitely not something that surprised me at all. I mean, were you hungry? I mean, after running that far and pushing your body that much after even day one, I mean, but is there a hunger or are you eating to survive, to refuel your body, to get you ready for the next day? My, yeah, my coach told me if you come out of this event and you weigh more than you went in, that will be a win for you. You will perform well. Just try to focus on that. He says, try to overeat. He goes, go to literally try. Your only goal for this, don't even think about time. Try to actually come out of the event weighing more than you went in. And I'm like, that's actually a pretty good goal because it, it would have shown me that I got enough calories, Right. Um, it's, it's right. what ends up happening is after the first couple, your body starts to break down. You have a lot of fatigue and all you want to do is sleep because you know, you're sleep deprived. So, you know, you go to sleep and then you wake up six hours later and you haven't eaten anything. So it's a, um, uh, and then plus you're not eating anything on the course. I mean, it's like, it's not like you can stop and have a, a steak on the course and your body just doesn't work that way during marathons. You right. want quick absorbing, you know, sugars and stuff. And that's about all you can take in. But the, uh, I, I will say that it got it got to the point to where I was literally just feeding, fueling myself with whatever was on the plane and whatever was in the airport, you know? So after the first couple of days, like I say, I stopped eating what was on the plane because I knew the preservatives were just making me shit my pants in the course and didn't want any of that. Uh, it, that went away when I stopped eating what was on the plane, except for the package stuff. Like they, they had a lot of you know, Gatorade and bars and chips. And so I had a lot of potato chips with carbs. I was getting my protein from like tuna, uh, so really good, clean, you know, tuna. And then, um, I was getting, you know, some of the protein replacement through my cup of noodles. There's like I think 12 grams of protein in that. So I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know where the protein comes from because it's literally yeah, where the fuck, Where's water. the protein in that? <laughs> well, freeze dry, well, freeze dry like, chicken. I know, it like 12 grams of protein. I'm like, what? Right. Exactly. There must've been freeze dry chicken yeah. in there or something, but, um, but you know, that salt and that sodium replacement was pretty key because, you know, you want to, um, try to get as much of that. Uh, you know, the water and the sodium replaces you can after the marathon. So that's, you know, the cup of noodles actually worked out really well. And plus they're, they're 22 cents a cup. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, really? what more could Seriously. you ask for? You I mean, I lived that much money to go around when I was out of high school. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just sent a bunch down to my daughter the other day at school. Um, and it's funny because you would, you would think, you know, on a healthy level that that wouldn't be something because of the amount of sodium that's in there. Right. You know, and that that would affect the inflammation, that that would start working against you and your joints and all of that stuff. Yeah. But you're saying that it was good. For well, you just you lose a lot of sodium. I mean, you lose a lot of sodium when you are running so that and there's there's some people that like heavy sweaters like me. I'm a very heavy sweater. I have a huge sweat loss rate, meaning I lose a lot more sodium than most people. So you've got to replace it or you end up going into a um, you, right. you know negative state. And once once you go negative, it's hard to kind of. You just don't get it back by, you know, jamming a bunch of salt in right now. It takes some time to replenish. I will say that, to add that with like a cup of noodles, 
yeah, listen, cup of noodles and Little Caesars pizza are the two things people say they don't like. Fucking bullshit. Everybody likes Little Caesars pizza and cup of noodles. You're lying if you don't say <laughs> Little Caesars pizza is like right. Because There's it is. It's top two. It's top two. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, I mean, I don't go eat it anymore, but if I had to, I could live off Little Caesars, crazy bread, and pizza just about every day of my life. No problem. See- my world is the fact that I have to, as a chef, I have to question the fact that it's a $5 pizza. The ingredients <laughs> that go either. into that <laughs> on a five, yeah, I know, dude, you know, it's right. like going to you're Outback right. and you're right. getting the, you know, the 14 ounce sirloin for nine ninety nine, but I'm getting a 14 ounce sirloin at Ruth's Chris for seventy nine ninety nine. You know, it's like, right, hold yeah. on. What's the difference? How do they do it? What's going on with this? Yeah. You so it's the, put me dollar in the back nuggets. room that shows where all this is being processed and, what it really is. Yeah. Yeah. True. You'll change your process real quick. So, um, so then it's all fake. Yep. So then when you get back, I mean, so you land, you, you, you hit Miami, you do your run. I believe Gina met you in Miami or she met you in Daytona. She was there for your final race. Miami. It was amazing. My mom and dad showed up. My daughter showed up. My 19 year old daughter of my wife. I had like eight or 10 friends show up. Uh, that, you know, several of them flew down, had one that drove up 10 hours, had two that flew from New York city, um, to Miami uh, to run with me. It was, it was such an amazing show of support that it, it was so needed too, because like my body broke down the day before in Brazil, like I had a big wall and I was, everybody's just, we have video of this, it'll come out, but just seeing the video of everybody at the airport in Brazil, uh, we had to get a police escort from the course to the airport to make the flight, but everybody's they're dead. Like everybody's done. Like we're done. And when you look at this, you can see that there's, how can you possibly run another marathon? Like these people are all, um, laying down, like just getting people up. One guy was in a wheelchair by then. And the race organizer said, you're gonna get a lot of energy in Miami because there's a lot of support out there. There'll be hundreds, if not thousands of people welcoming you at the airport when we hit, you know, so like you're going to get this massive show of support and that's going to you know fuel you. It's going to give you adrenaline. Boost you. And sure. uh, it did. It did. It did. I mean, it was, we were all like completely dead. And we went out and started running again. It was like just it was just another day. You know, felt what felt weird was the very next day after Miami was that having to not wake up and run a marathon was was like we don't have to run a marathon today. This feels so weird. <laughs> but right. if we had to probably. Could, no, I mean, you know? so. and what was I mean, was there did you literally get into Miami, hit the bed and just crash? Oh, yeah. Well, I, it's weird. I stayed up most of the days, you know, supported the runners that were coming in, um, finishing their runs up. When I had dinner with my parents, um, I had a massage that day too. And this is why also I think that probably, I, you know, I, I didn't replace from Brazil, you know, the marathon before I lost a bunch of water, like it was 90 degrees, 80% humidity, um, hit a big wall there, big dehydration, took that into Miami. Miami was a little humid, but probably didn't replace as much fluid as I needed to. And then spent the whole rest of that day, not drinking water, went to do a massage that, that dehydrates you. Apparently, I guess when you get a massage, it pulls water from you. Yeah, and big then, time. um, and then not replenishing that. And, and that's, you know, I guess that's what happened when I woke up the next day, it was like pretty much dead. Like it was vomiting all night, dry heaving. Like it was, oh. it was one of the worst feelings ever. But, uh, I mean, that's what happens when, you, you know, your body's just saying, give me water and you haven't given it any for a day, you know? Right. Especially after exerting and going through all that. It's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. It's nuts. 
So, so what is your, I mean, you, you've, I, you know, I saw this morning, you're, you're right back on, you've got your, your pain cave, um, you know, ready to rock and roll. You're back, you're back into, you're keeping your training going. I mean, was there a point like, fuck it, I'm done. I did that. I don't need to, I don't need to train this week or we like, I've got to keep my momentum for where I am. Yeah. You have to keep a minute, but the good news is like you have a coach that's already pre-framed this for you knowing that when you come out of an event like this, it's going to be really light training for the next couple of weeks. The body does truly need a lot of time to recover for something like that. You can't, um, you cannot go attack training three days later and get back into hard cycling, running. It's impossible. That, that doesn't even make sense. But even to like the best athletes in the world, they don't do that. So he, he, you know, right. we're still in that two week recovery period. The whole, this whole week will still be very light. Um, be a lighter weekend this weekend. And then next week, which will put us basically two weeks after the event, we'll be back to normal training. And I knew that's how it was going to be. Um, it's what I signed up for. I'm, I'm happy with that too. It's nice to take a little bit of time off, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to getting back into pushing uh, some pace. And then what I'm really excited about is to see, you know, I've got six Ironman events, you know, this year lined up. I'm just real excited to see how much, you know, just this mitochondria building I got from all this running I've been doing the last couple of months uh, is going to um, show up in Ironman, like especially in the later stages of Ironman when you start to get really tired. <clears throat> you know, I have, a, uh, I have a really good track record and mindset of what's possible. So I know that now running on tired legs is just kind of like I'm used to doing it now. So I think that will really pay off in, um, in the later miles of Ironman this year. Right. That's unbelievable, dude. So what's going on for you? So what's next? What is your, I mean, what's your next, what's your next mass? Well, no, you know what? No, I don't want to go there yet. I want to know, honestly, I, I'm really more interested in, I mean, where mentally were you in Miami, you know, knowing what was going to be happening in the next couple of days, you know, mentally, were did you feel, was there a confusion? Was there a, I can't believe I did this. Was there, or was it just pure elation knowing what you had just finished and what you had just mentally pushed your body through? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. It was, it was a bit of a blur and I'll tell you why. I think this happens when you, when you train your ass off or something, when you put in the training to do something and you show up on game day, like that's just the unwrapping of the present. Like all the work has already yeah. been done. Like, so it's the work happened in the training. So I'd already completed that event in my mind weeks before, right. It was just a matter of showing up and, you know, getting the finish line. So it, it was a, it was, it was a good feeling to do that because I got to, um, you know, in a few of the races be really present and not have to really, you know, some races are, you know, you're so focused on the race and your times and your splits and your heart rate and all that stuff that you don't even get to see the course. Like you don't even remember what the course looked like. And fortunately I, I, I didn't have that on, on most of the races actually in this. I actually, uh, was got, got to be present. I mean, I got to run on F1, you know, racetrack in Madrid. I mean, it was, there were some really cool environments <laughs> we got to run on, you know, an ice sheet in Antarctica, some crazy ass things you really want to be present and take in. So, you know, for me, it was, um, it was cross the finish line. It wasn't like this massive moment of elation that I can't believe I did that because, you know, my, I, my mind had already pre-framed me already completing that event. If that makes any sense. Right. I mean, it, right. that, it, it yeah. was already complete in my mind. So it wasn't like this. I can't believe I did that. My mind had already in the training had already, you know, show my mind I could do it. Did you lose that's weight? The best, that's the best. That's the best place 
Oh yeah. So, uh, but that's, I was gonna say, that's the best place to be is that where you're not shocked that you did it. Like being shocked that you did it probably leaves some questioning in your training. So, uh, the weight loss was interesting. Uh, the day, uh, the night of when I got in, I got on the scale was, uh, six pounds lighter. It was all water, hundred percent. Because the very next day I weighed myself, um, after I kind of recovered back, um, and really hadn't eaten a lot of food, I was back to exactly my race weight that I went in at. Uh, so it's, it, wow. it was a sign that I probably did eat enough food during the event. Like I, I kept myself, um, right at race weight, which was actually really good for me. Like I think, you know, losing weight, you, you know, you know what it takes to, you know, put on a pound or lose a pound, the amount of calories. I mean, that, that's a losing five or six pounds would have been a massive calorie deficiency, like probably 10 or 12,000 calorie deficiency, which, uh, wow. you, I would have bonked well into probably the third or fourth marathon. So the fact that I didn't, and I didn't lose weight tells me that I probably, you know, kind of gauged that correctly. And was there a di- I mean, what your diet going into it during the training? I mean, is that a, a super clean diet? Are you having cheats? Yeah. You know, are you having cheat days where you're just fucking up a you know a pint of ice cream? I mean, what is yeah, the I you know? I mean, I don't do dairy anymore. I'll there? do coconut ice cream, like pizza. I eat pizza once right. a week. I love pizza. Like so, I literally will choose my pizza yeah, like on a Friday or Saturday. I'll know that I've got like a big training day after. So the you know, it usually comes after a big training day. So my body's processing food, like, um, like a garbage disposal. It like, you will take anything and process it. And it's not as bad as normally eating it, like on a Tuesday when you haven't trained. So like you said, you, you right. get that like carbo, you know, kind of, um, you know, you're in this little trance because you had so much carbs and pizza. I'll, I'll choose those days wisely. So I'll know my body's, you know, kind of processing it quicker. And it also somewhat pays off for the following day too, just replenishing a bunch of calories with a junk food that I wouldn't normally eat anyway. So pizza once a week, but other than that, man, Gina's amazing. She cooks very uh, clean, um, somewhat paleo. I mean, we're, we're not vegan, we're not paleo, but we, I don't eat a ton of red meat anymore. I'll have a good hamburger every now and then, but a lot of it's just fish, chicken, um, you know, clean, healthy salads and, um, good carbs, whole grains and stuff. I mean, I don't pay attention to counting calories. I don't pay attention to, um, eat this or not that I like to just, you know, if I can put it on a plate and say, yeah, I think I should eat that. That means it's okay. If I put it on the plate and it's like, you know, the, the most of the world will look at it and say, that's not good for you. It's probably not good for you. Right. It's almost yeah. like the make sense diet. Right. So, um, that's pretty much the way we eat. All right. So now let's, let's transition over to another side of this. Where is the decision that you want to get involved into the NASCAR world and buy and, and sponsor a car? I mean, it was, I'll tell you. So this, this happened last year. I purchased a car at Barrett Jackson car auction for charity. Um, it was, it was a charity. It was near and dear to my heart because it was uh, for the Shriners children's hospital. My mom was a Shriners kid 60 years ago. Like, uh, literally helped with his, uh, cerebral palsy, um, and, you know, had some major stuff going on when she was a kid. Um, so they didn't have money, you know, so the the Shriners or this hospital, you can show up and they treat burn victims and people with, um, cerebral, um, um, issues. So, you know, this was, it was, it was met with a little bit of fate. My wife and I showed up at Barrett Jackson. We're friends with the, you know, the owners of Barrett Jackson car auction. I said, I want to buy a race car this year. 
not thinking at all I was going to buy a NASCAR, right? This, I, was, I wanted to buy a race car that could race on a racetrack. So um, we're walking, looking at the thousands of cars, and there it is, emblazoned on the NASCAR Shriners Children's Hospital. And I just looked at my wife and I said, oh, <laughs> like, oh, in the meaning that we're not going to have money in our bank account, like, after I buy this, because, like, we're winning that car. All the money goes to charity. Like that's happening because the universe just spoke. So got on stage, literally Brian, we like every last dollar in our account. I'm not joking. I, I put that, that was the limit. The limit was how much money's in the bank account that, that this is what we're going to spend on this car. And the auction ended at that exact amount. <laughs> so it took every last dollar, which is great. I love it. I loved it. Right. Um, that turned into a, the driver of the car, David Reagan, um, you know, we got to talk and became fast friends. You know, he knew my story. Um, you know, we, t- we changed cell phone numbers. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm texting, you know, with David Reagan, the NASCAR driver. And it comes a couple weeks later, two weeks later, he's without a sponsor for the Daytona 500. His sponsor had fallen through. There was some sort of logistics between team owner who was sponsoring him or something happened. Um, his sponsor fell through. And I just said, listen, this is the next frontier for us. Let's, let's do Daytona. Let's, and we signed up for four races with them last year. We, um, you know, entered the Daytona 500 with, with the type of advertising we had never done before. Um, we're very direct marketers. Um, we, um, are in, in it, like intent based, meaning that people go to Google, type the word blinds in, they see us, they buy blinds. Um, but we don't go do a lot of advertising on radio, TV, or stuff like Daytona 500. But that was the next, you know, kind of leap for our companies to try that out. Um, NASCAR is a really good demographic for our, our buyers, too. Um, there are, there's a lot of DIYers in that community. So we have a DIY, you know, product. So let's try it out. And it was like this massive runway success. Like we, we ran. David did really well. You know, he got in this big accident at the end, was featured all over Fox. Um, you know, David was the first person out of the medical tent. You know, it was like right out of Ricky Bobby, you know, David Reagan's on national TV in front of 20 million people. <laughs> Want to thank the select lines, number 38 Ford Mustang. You know, you know, the camera's on his race suit, fire suit. It's just select lines all over it. I mean, it was just like a narrative from when we bought this car at auction to how it closed out last year that you couldn't even write. Like it was impossible to write that narrative and try to get an ROI based on what we did. I mean, we were the second you know, select blinds, this little company I started in my bedroom, we were the second most mentioned, uh, verbally mentioned brand in, um, in the Daytona 500 last year, right next to Geico. So, you know, you got M&M's, Coca-Cola, wow. you know, all these massive brands, sure. but we had the second most, um, you know, airtime, uh, right next to Geico, which is, so it was amazing. I mean, it's, it's just impossible. You know, you, the life experience I got out of that was invaluable. So life experience was so much better than like ROI and what we got out of it from the business uh, aspect. It was uh, just a really cool experience. And so is there, is there a purse for fourth place? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know how NASCAR works. I'm not, I'm not that much of a student of the sport. Uh, I've become a little I. bit of a student. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this purse, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I believe it's mainly this. It's, it's a lot of, it's car owners, like, like this is their hobby, right? So good example is I like to compare this to my Ironman training. Ironman training is not cheap. You got to have an expensive bike. You got to have time. Those two things in and of itself cost money, like your time. And, you know, just being up a car without out enough time to train 
So it is not a cheap sport. That's what car ownership is in NASCAR. So it's these billionaires that said, listen, I love racing so much. I'm going to go have a team with one, two, three cars. We're going to go do 40 races a year. Uh, we're going to pay drivers a lot of money to run these cars. We're going to try to recoup some of that money um, via advertising, like we did with Select Blinds. But the dynamics of most of it, they don't recoup anywhere near the amount of money they've invested in running that team for 40 races. So it's their passion. I mean, that's like, that's their Ironman. So they, you know, that's, uh, that, that, that's this, this network of guys that are like, listen, it's going to cost me a couple million bucks, but it's what I love doing. I love racing. And, um, I, I think probably the top teams find a way to make money off of it, but, um, I don't believe the teams under like the, maybe the top one or two guys on the planet are making money in NASCAR. I think it's a, uh, I think it's they're They're so passionate about racing that they do it because it's what they love. And it's the case with anything in our life. We invest time and money in things that don't have an ROI, but they fulfill us and we love doing them. So, I mean, good for them. Yeah. Now, are you going again next year? We'll see. David retired and he came out of retirement to run the Daytona oh, 500. I think David, yeah, but David's a, a great, um, he's a great super speedway driver, which, listen, I don't want to knock the team or the car, but like, that car isn't as fast as the cars that have $20 million budgets. <laughs> it just, you know, money buys right. speed in NASCAR. Let's just put it that way. Buys a lot of data analysts, sure. buys a lot of people running simulations on tracks, buys better equipment, buys this, is buys better, you know, be, better everything, right? But David's a, a sleuthy driver on super speedways, meaning that you get the car up to speed and then you can get into a draft pack. You don't need the best car. You just need a car that's, 98% is good and you can stay in the draft pack and then wait for, wait for stuff to happen, right? Wait for opportunities to open themselves so up. Awesome. Now wait for some accidents to happen. And you got 500 laps be. to do it. Yeah. And you have fight. You exactly have four hours to do it. Like, so just kind of don't be stupid, stay in the game. And that's what he's really good at is in that car. So I would see us yeah, running Daytona until he wants to retire. I mean, it's been really good for us. We love supporting him. He's become a great friend and uh, you know, the ROI has been massive. I mean, for us, it's been um, quantifiably noticeable. You know, the fact that I can go out um, in NASCAR and be like the only blinds company in NASCAR and have like a fan base of 20 yeah. million people know that there's there's one blinds company supporting NASCAR. It's select blinds. It's not just even the driver, you, you know, and his fans supporting it. It's all the eyeballs from all of NASCAR um, it's such a massive thing for us. So I would see us continuing to do it for sure. Wow, dude. Dude, that's awesome, man. I was so stoked. And, and I, uh, I, I mean, all day I'm like, all right, what the fuck's going on? There's a rain delay. I can't watch what's happening here. <laughs> the next day, my daughter and I were doing a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, and I'm not a sports guy. You know, I'm not a follower of NASCAR. It's just not what I am. And I'm on Google checking right. to see. And I look down at one point. I'm like, this motherfucker's running fourth. He's run and he <laughs> ran fourth crazy. for a while. I was, I was, I got on the plane and I was somebody, uh, we we're talking, I looked over, I'm like, anybody know what's going on with NASCAR right now? And the guy looks at me, I'm like, my buddy's got a fucking car and it just answered the question, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was pretty classic, it. dude. It was pretty classic. So, um, 
So what's next? I mean, you've got six Ironmans coming up. Um, I mean, you're a man of challenge. You're constantly, um, you know, challenging yourself to do something bigger and better. You know, you're doing the same yeah. with your kids. I mean, I love watching that between the books and, you know, um, uh, you know, to see your son doing skateboarding and even Gina's, uh, um, you know, she's a force at this point. She's, she's a force. And I mean, so what's next for you guys? What's going on? Well, you know, we've got a bunch of kids events this year. So we got skateboarding events. We have gymnastics events. Um, you know, got, you know, the kids are doing their own thing, playing piano, violin, drums. Yeah. Imagine my son playing the drums. That's a real thing. And it's chaos in the house. Yeah. He loves it. So, you know, we got all those events spreckled about the year. We're going to take a vacation this year to, you know, this is probably an inappropriate thing to do, but we're taking the kids to um, Turtle Bay in Hawaii because Gene and I's favorite movie is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And we're like, well, we are going to that. We're going oh, to that resort. Sense. And as so we're taking the kids to that resort this year, so we're going down there for vacation. Uh, we do this every year. We'll carve out a week or two with the kids and just take them somewhere cool. So this year's Hawaii. We're doing that. And then, um, you know, yeah. I mean, personal challenges is, you know, I wireframed and wrote seven books on the plane, uh, seven children's books that are going to be written in very much like a um, kind of a Harry Potter fashion, but readable for five to eight-year-olds, uh, bedtime stories that teach the seven principles nice. that we teach here in the house. Um, and they're, um, you know, uh, just basically a principle that is in correlation to what I learned on each continent. So um, those are coming together. It's going to take a lot of time to get them, you know, illustrated and stuff. But that's kind of like that next personal challenge I want to write. My first three kids' books were just kind of personal, you know, kind of books for each of my kids. A fun little story that told them, you um, a memory I have of them, you know, a funny thing in their life. These are the kinds of stories I want to pass down to, you know, to them, but then also that their grandchildren can read as well. Um, they can read to their grandchildren um, one day uh, that's very much a principle-based that allows them to learn some, um, you know, kind of cool things that they don't teach in school. Or a lot of schools don't teach, um, let them, you know, um, understand and at least um, maybe brainwash them at an early age. You know, some of the things yeah. that are important in life. <laughs> That's cool, dude. Well, Rick, dude, I really appreciate you taking time out, hanging out with me for a little while. Um, I, I hope to see you soon. I'd love to, whether I'm coming out there or we meet up somewhere or whatever it is, I'd love to see you guys. It's been way too long since our, uh, our epic uh, Jamaica trip of, uh, uh, you know, down there for that amazing week oh, that we all had. I still get, you know, I'm just going to say right now, I don't know how between all of what we did and, but I don't know how we didn't end up in a Jamaican jail, but we didn't, we made it back, baby. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying we did anything illegal. I'm just saying that flying no. rented jet skis, 16 feet in the air. Um, <laughs> knowing that like the guys before you P Diddy, we're scared of those jet skis. Uh, that was like the most epic sports thing I've ever done in my life. Dude, that was, we were, we were fucking maniacs. I don't that know. Was, what that, I, I, I remember day one, we're rolling over the wave. Day two was like, oh, okay, that guy, a little confidence. Yeah. Day right, four was right. like, we're now through our fourth gallon of gas on them. And then like day seven, I remember you specifically catching air and reading magazines in the air because you had so much fucking air. It was crazy. I was like, what is going on? Like this guy, I don't remember you. Like, I know you ride, right. But I'm thinking like, you're handling this jet ski, like very professionally. This I is crazy it. to watch. It was so much damn fun. Dude. Goal. But, you know, 
my goal was to get that underwater and come back out like they do in those crazy freestyle events. <laughs> I wanted to get up in the air, oh. dive all the way down below. That was funny as shit. Do you remember that the you girls got off they, the jet ski? It was got on. They had a comfortable amount of air. The way I remember it was like 20 feet of air, but I guarantee you if there were pictures of this, <laughs> it was probably a foot. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Where it's exactly. like, oh my God, I was in the exactly. air for so long. And then the pictures show that you're 18 <laughs> inches above water. Like, There's no fucking way. But these waves are like eight foot swells. And we were like full it's gas into them, like leaning into them like it was crazy. <laughs> that was a great week, man. Pure great week. So. Um, well, dude, thanks again so much for hopping on. It's, it's always great to talk to you and to catch up and hear your stories and all that good stuff. So, um, why don't you do us one last round, let everybody know who you are and how they can get in contact to you and, uh, kind of follow the path that you're on right now. Yeah, dude, Rick Steele, Rick Steele official on Instagram, like all the other, you know, I think I post most of my stuff to Instagram. I don't know why I, I honestly, I need to get off Instagram. I'm going to, I just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, say this here publicly first on a live audience. Um, I don't know if it's live, whatever, recorded audience. My goal, I've got like 180,000 Instagram followers. My goal is to get that. I'm going to try to grow that down to like 50, not 50,000 to 50 people only because this thing becomes you so just, big that it's like, yeah. it, it almost is a little meaningless and like, it doesn't allow you to connect with guys like you. Right. Because I just, th- these are the kinds of relationships I like to have the real meaningful shit. Yeah. that you can smash in every waking moment of your day, that this is what means stuff right here. This type of conversation, you know, not, not that followers don't mean anything, but God, it's such a false lift on where you're at in your life. Like, so I would say just one thing uh, I, I take from this is that the, the amount of people you have as followers doesn't really fucking matter at all. Like it's like what matters is you have people in your life you connect, connect with, like hopefully you may be seeing that, you know, I do on this call with Brian is, um, those types of relationships. That's what matters. So yeah, I agree. Me, don't follow it's been me a on big, Rick Steele official. You know, don't yeah, follow me there. That's Rick the other thing. What am I saying? Fuck Rick Steele official. Don't follow it there. Matter of fact, try to go unfollow it. If you, if you already are following it, please, <laughs> if you feel like, you know, we're not connected, go unfollow. <laughs> oh, right, just unfollow it. You should start a whole one. That's like Rick Steele unofficial and you only allow 50 people. <laughs> right. And that's it. Yeah, I, I thought you about know, putting some paperwork money behind unfollow, like try to unfollow me. I'm trying trying to get as many unfollowers as I can. <laughs> Give me the, yeah. Oh, God. I love you, man. I miss love you. love the shit out of you. We miss you. Yeah, you too, man. All right. Give my best to the family. Tell everybody said hi, and I'll be out to cook soon. All right, dude. See you, bro. Cheers, brother. Rick motherfucking steal. That's how that works right there. That is how uh, an individual who starts off a conversation with, I grew up in a trailer park and uh, moved on. You know, that's uh, that's one of the things that I like about Rick. From the moment that I met him a couple years ago, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a stalker, um, you know, for Mr. Tips and I out there in uh, Long Beach, there was an instant connection. There was an instant uh, chemical reaction. You know, there was something that happened where I shook that guy's hand and I felt the energy uh, that was coming from him. And it was something that was really cool because I, you don't meet those people all the time, people that are just 
just dynamic like that and that just have a living for life and and that want to do things with other people and that want to share the experiences across the board and I learned a lot from Rick and and uh, you know I've, I've I've watched him grow in his path and I've been very quiet in the background because I didn't want to be a distraction to him you know uh, we had a lot of there were a lot of text messages back and forth of hey brother what's going on and then there is no response for a couple of days you know or a week or two and the same thing happened on both sides and and you know a lot of times in this day and age people get upset at that they get they get uh offended that somebody's not replying to you i mean we all know we all know the conversation of you know if you're you're dating a girl and you know she stops replying to you she's not replying as fast that that relationship's over it's you know she's just not that into you anymore <clears throat> but there was a there there's there's something with rick where I was able to watch the goal that he had for what he was doing, and I was proud for him. I wanted him to hit those goals on a daily basis. I wanted to have him that happen for him, and it was really a cool thing to see. You know, the whole idea of the relationship that he has with Gina, who I adore. I mean, I, I, I've, I've loved her the moment that I met her. Um, you know, and the same with their side, her side of the family. Um, you know, and the kids are just really nice people as well. So there's a really nice thing to happen there, and and it's been fun for me to watch and i'm glad that he and i've connected because honestly the he, he and i spoke a couple of weeks ago about getting on the show and he said to me he's like i'm get ready to go do this this marathon let me either get me on right before you know, or right now so that I can do my stuff or let's try to make it happen after. And I said, I'm in no hurry. I just want to have you on. I want people to hear your story. I want people to hear the idea of that mind control, that uh, that your mind is lying to you. You know, your brain lies to you at times. You're done. You're tired. You're physically exhausted. You can't go any further, but yet you're able to pick a car up off of a kid, you know, when it rolls over him. I mean, there's something about the body, the human body and that psyche that takes over that I wanted you guys to hear about. So, um, Rick Steele, my friend, it, it's a pleasure to, to have you um, out there. I'm so excited for you guys and and the and the and the future that everything that's going to be going on with you guys. And I've loved watching this year of your personal growths and um, you know the family goals that you guys have crushed. It's really pretty amazing to watch. So cheers to Rick Steele. Everybody, do me a favor, get out there and do not follow Rick Steele official. Um, he doesn't want you to. Um, it is fake. It's false. Uh, it is, it is, uh, real, the real reality of relationships happens between communication. It happens between people talking to each other. Stop listening to all the fucking noise that is going on out there with all the lies and the spewing of negativity that happens on the daily basis of what happens and what comes through your phone. Okay. Unless you're able to pick and choose the reality of what is out there. Okay. You need to be able to have human interaction. You need to be able to have conversations with people put the phones down let's get away from it start a fucking momentum start a movement okay of putting your phones down because when i take a look at my screen time at the end of a week it's offensive to me that i have spent that and we've all been there we've all seen it happen we've all watched it happen in front of us OK, where you look at your phone, you scroll, you look at Instagram, you go to Twitter, you go to Facebook, you go to you go to Snapchat. You're constantly cycling through for what? 
For what? What is it that we're looking for? Are we looking for gratification from other people? Are we looking for justification for what it is that we're doing? Look, in my world, I do want some justification when it comes to the food that I serve and the experience that I have because I want to share them with people. Okay, I'm not doing it for the likes. I'm not doing it for the follows. Don't get me wrong. It helps with my business. I am not going to lie to you. If you follow me on Instagram and you boost my numbers, guess what? I'm going to get more money. I'm going to be able to get more influence. I'm going to be able to, 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 to promote another product or work with something like that. And guess what? Those pay my bills. But I've come to a point that the relationships that I have with the people that are around me, they are just that much more important than all the other bullshit. I'm watching my children grow up in front of me. I'm watching my children become beautiful, amazing, strong young women who are dealing with the trials and tribulations of going through that. I'm watching my friends get sucked into that, that portal. Okay, and I'm not happy with it because I was there as well, and I'm starting to back off of it. And I'm happy with that. Do me a favor and tell your mind and tell your body what it is that you want to do. And at the same time, get out there and have some fun. Talk to some people, engage, listen to real people out there because you know what? When you start talking to those real people, it's not as bad as the news says it is. It's not as bad as the politicians are telling you that it is. They're doing that because they want you to be afraid and they want you to vote for them. They want you to believe that they are the next great hope to make a change in this country. And in reality, the only people that are going to make changes in this country are us. We are the ones that can make that change and we have to start at home. So that's my rant. That's my rave. That's what I got to say about that. Boys and girls, I love you. Thank you so much for hanging out and watching us or paying attention to us this week. This is Duffified Live, put together by the boys down there at RadioInfluence.com. You know how I feel about them. Go and do it. That's what I got to say about that. Maggie Gagliardi, I adore you. I thank you for all of your professionalism and your talent. Michelle out there at Techno Solution, I couldn't do this show. I couldn't do the creativity. I have an outlet with you that allows me to come up with a vision and then allow you to put that together that you put together and you and I work together and I love that. You guys should be doing the same with some of these people. You want some help with some graphic world, go out there and talk to them. You want to get a podcast, talk to the boys at Radio Influence. If not, do me a favor. Let's end this right now. Go out there and just be nice to people. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Now, stand by for the MJ Morning Show. The MJ Morning Show is back. Hi, it's MJ. Join me along with Froggy and Fester. We're going to bring you up to speed on what's been happening since our last show. We'll even reveal never-before-heard stories from the past, including some infamous controversies. This is the great MJ Morning Show that you remember. With regular new episodes, we'll even have some of the crazy cast of characters on, like Dave the Dwarf and more. The all-new MJ Morning Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, on the iHeartRadio app, and RadioInfluence.com.